whoever is listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 44. Guys, it's been a little while. It's been exactly one week since we set out to record with the Down and Out Sports podcast. If you haven't checked that podcast out or their own podcast, you better do it. They are a great sports podcast, great group of guys. They are really in set with what they're doing. They're hilarious. I really enjoyed it, and you will too. The episode 43 is out on all platforms on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, today we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We've got NFL training camp. It's back. There's a lot of stuff that I want to get into there. Carson Wentz, his injury bug has come to the Colts. Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz are out 5 to 12 weeks with a foot injury and surgery. The NBA is clearly blown up. A lot of stuff has taken place. we got to talk about it, dissect it. And my favorite free agent move, so we're going to start with training camp. It is back, guys. Training camp is here. Players are in pads. Players are in helmets. They're ready to go. It feels back to normal, and I feel like I've used this phrase a lot since I've started this podcast because we've been in a weird state in this world for a while. I'm excited. The media is back. You see clips every day. You can see training camp notes every day. It's open to the media. I love it. I enjoy this time of year so much because not only are we close we're at that time where players are developing, they're finding themselves, new roster additions are seeing how they mold into this team, trying to mold into a new culture. You have Dan Campbell, who's almost like a crazy man, and I've kind of been back and forth on him, saying that he wants this big intensity like they're about to fight each other. Or in the Giants' case, you just fight each other. It's wild stuff. Draining camp is truly back. You've got your fights, you got your hard knocks, you've got your just crazy, insane storylines. you got Jamal Williams saying he's going to watch anime instead of TV. It's just, you love to see these players. You can tell that they're excited. You can tell the enthusiasm is back. The NFL has desperately awaited this moment where COVID is kind of in the back door and they can start to focus on the future, getting that money back, getting those TV deals ready to go. It is a very exciting time. So, of course, as training camp rolls around, you want to look at what your rookie players are doing, your draft picks. You've invested so much into these guys And the rookie class so far, according to what I've seen, is doing pretty well, especially with the QBs. You've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got Zach Wilson, you've got Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. And I think it's been pretty good. I haven't really seen anything that says, like, they've had a really bad day. There hasn't been really a doubt centered around them. I've been paying close attention to the Jaguars camp, the Patriots camp, and the Bears camp. Justin Fields looks fantastic. I've seen a lot of throws these guys have made. And it looks like the NFL speed isn't destroying them. It isn't something that's caught up to them that's really, I guess, you have to have a lot of confidence as a rookie QB. You hate to see these guys go in there with a lot of confidence. And then, boom, the speed, it just takes them out. It takes them down. There's a lot of factors, a lot of defenses, a lot of schemes. You don't want to see a rookie look overwhelmed. And it doesn't look like that's the case so far. So what I want to do to start off the show, I want to do starter sip. We're going to go through all five rookie QBs in the first round, and we're going to do this after the preseason, see if my opinions have changed at all. So we're going to start with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, I'm going to go with start here. Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, has looked the part. A lot of players are really impressed with what they've seen, what he can do. I really like that Trevor Lawrence has come in. He's not making any big headlines. He's doing exactly what he did at Clemson. Comes in, does the work, makes the big throws. Trevor Lawrence will be your day one starter. I think Gardner Minshew will be on the trading block soon. I think he's going to have to use his training camp to like just show to NFL teams that he's still a competitor, that he's still pretty good. 
I heard an idea throw around that he could potentially be traded to the Colts. A division rival might not be the best idea, but it's not the worst idea I've heard surrounding the Colts quarterback controversy. All right, Zach Wilson. I'm going to go with start. I do say that out of all the five QBs, Zach Wilson is the one that I'm most worried about. He came out of BYU. It reminds me of the doubt centered around Josh Allen, a really talented quarterback with a unique skill set that didn't play in the biggest division. And we've seen this pattern before where we doubt the guy that played from the small school or not the Clemson or the Ohio State, and they turn out to be the best QB in that class. Example, Josh Allen with Wyoming. We'll see. I think Zach Wilson's contract holdout isn't as big of a deal as we thought. I just think that the money had to get settled out. I really like Zach Wilson to start. I think the Jets are going to have an average season. I don't think it's going to be fantastic, but I really think that they have a strong chance to be competitive, to have some hope for the first time in a what seems to be a very long time. All right, Trey Lance. I'm going to go with sit here, not because Trey Lance is in talent. I've seen some of the throws he's made at training camp. I've seen some of the stories. He's number one in minutes logged for film, which is something that's super important. you got to go back to Jamarcus Russell, where they gave him an empty tape. And they said, Jamarcus, we want you to go study this. He goes home. He doesn't study it. doesn't open. And they go, oh, Jamarcus, what was your favorite player package out of that, uh, that set there? And he gives his answer. And they're like, well, that's funny because that tape is empty and it's blank. So we know you're full of crap. And so it's... Really important and really good to see these rookie QBs take initiative, take really strong steps in watching the film, seeing their mistakes, seeing what they can improve on. I like that from Trey Lance. I saw the quote from Kyle Shanahan this morning say, you know, he could have just started watching it, put it on a loop, and then went and watched a movie or something or played a video game. I think that's hilarious. I think that's great that Trey Lance is showing that initiative. I think he should sit, not because of his talent, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo He's going to have a fire lit under him. They drafted a quarterback to eventually replace him. He's going to want to look good for trade suitors. He's going to want to take the 49ers to a promised land, back to where they were in the Super Bowl. I think this roster is fully capable of that. We'll get into that in our top 10 NFL teams very soon. I think Trey Lance, sit him. Then we'll go Justin Fields. I'm going to go start very early. We're going to do a kind of asterisk there with the start. I think Andy Dalton's going to take the first couple games, and I think Chicago media is going to be dying for Justin Fields to be out there. They're going to have a quarterback that they've really never, in the last couple years, you've had Mitchell Trubisky, who was, it's safe to say he's disappointed in those expectations when they drafted him second overall ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. They are dying for a QB of Justin Fields' talent level and his caliber to really step up and make big plays, and he's done that in training camp so far. I think Andy Dalton is a, has a very short leash. I hate that he's in this position because Andy Dalton's such a great guy. He's such a great quarterback. But unfortunately, at this time in his career, he's kind of a journeyman. He's been playing second fiddle to like the Cowboys and now the Bears. I think the Bears are desperate to, to keep their jobs. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, the GM and head coach respectively, the Bears are looking to secure that job. And I think if Justin Fields comes out early and shows up and competes for a division, especially with the dysfunction in Green Bay... We're not, sure how, we're not sure how long Aaron Rodgers will last in Green Bay. I'm not sure either. So I think Justin Fields starts, but starts early. All right, now we're going to go to Mac Jones, the final QB in this first round. I'm going to go sit for the entire year. I think Mac Jones is going to be the quarterback that I think has the most dog days, especially with that New England Patriots offense. I've seen a lot of things that he's had some flashes, but he's also had some struggles. I think Cam Newton's going to really... He's really stepped up to take this job. He's really done an excellent job of being a leader. He's really getting really involved with the crowd. 
you see some of these videos coming out of New England, it's so much fun to see him healthy, to see him happy. I think that he'll really feed off that energy with the fans. I think Mac Jones would benefit, like Mahomes did, to sit out a year in a complicated offense to really learn how to be a pro and learn all the intricacies and the details in that offense and really become a much more finer-tuned pro in his second year of the National Football League. Okay, so like I said, we're going to do a start-sit after the third week of the preseason when the NFL regular season is about to start, and maybe some of these announcements have already been made, and we'll probably just see, was I right, was I wrong, what should I have changed? We'll look at that later. Now we're going to go into my top 10 NFL teams heading into training camp. This has changed slightly. I had a list set up last week when I was getting ready to prep this episode, and then it fell short when the Carson Wentz thing happened. So we're going to start with my number 10 team, the LA Chargers. I think LA is really set up well here. Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they're going to lead that offense. you got so many great pieces like Austin Elkwer. You signed Corey Lindsley in the offseason. Not to mention you bring in a guy like Brandon Staley, who's a defensive-minded head coach who's going to bring structure. He's going to get He's going to get a Bosa brother. He's going to get Derwin James and a healthy squad ready to go in 2021. At number nine, I have San Francisco. I think San Francisco had probably the worst luck I've ever seen in an NFL team. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down early. Nick Bosa goes down early. There's a lot of stuff that really just came all together, and it just blew up, and it was crazy. It was insane. I think San Francisco's a really talented Super Bowl roster that was looking for answers in a year where they just got their butts handed to repeatedly, not because they were a bad team, but because they got the injury bug. And every team has it every year. Somebody has to take the fall for it. San Francisco takes it. I think they're the number nine team. Number eight, I have Seattle. I think Russell Wilson's going to be a big part of this. The reason I have them above San Francisco, I think San Francisco's a better roster. But when I look at it from QB standpoint, regardless of who San Francisco starts, I think I take Russell Wilson 10 times out of 10. I think Russell Wilson has got another fire lit under him. I think this whole offseason, I think that they've made a relationship that's stronger and that's more professional. I think that's going to be really good for Seattle moving forward. DK Metcalf's going to get better on the offense. The Seattle defense with Jamal Adams in year two is going to be better led, and I think that Seattle is going to compete for another division title. At number seven, I have Baltimore. Baltimore. Ooh, Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. They've added a lot of interesting pieces this offseason. I think that they're going to be more of the same, but better. They're going to add Rashad Bateman. They're going to add Sammy Watkins. Add a passing dimension to this offense that a lot of people have criticized them for not having. I think Baltimore takes a significant leap in competing for that division title. At number six, I have their competitor, Cleveland. Baker Mayfield in this loaded roster. I think Cleveland had one of the best free agencies they had in the last decade. They signed so many key players today, Beyond Clowney, John Johnson. They've really upgraded that secondary and made a significant... They wanted to make a statement. They made a significant statement that they were going to make a significant roster improvement so they could be here to stay. They're not a fluke team. They want to see how do they handle success. I think they handle it very well coming in at number six. At number five, I have the Green Bay Packers. I would have had them at probably three if this Aaron Rodgers mess had not taken place over the summer. I think that he's going to be fine. The play is going to be all right. But I think this roster is a little bit different. And I think there's a lot of tension and a lot of rifts. What happens when Green Bay goes on a two-game losing streak? How does Aaron Rodgers react? How does the team react? How does the media around Green Bay react? We'll have to find out how everything circles. I think that Green Bay's got a solid roster. They could easily make a run. But how does this all play together after a summer of MTV nightmares and MTV madness? 
At number four, I have the Rams. I really like Matt Stafford here in a division that is loaded with talent for them to come in and compete for first place. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, that defense is always going to be solid, top five, but they finally have their QB that can make plays, make great throws with his arm, make good decisions. They have a step up. They believe in him. They think that he's a significant upgrade from Jared Goff, and I think that Sean McVay is going to have a field day coming in 2021. At number three, I have Buffalo. Buffalo is going to be a really, really nice team to watch this year. I think that how they handle success, how they handle that surprise year where they really surprised everybody, took the second seed in the AFC. How does Josh Allen and company, who added Emmanuel Sanders, how does that defense, can they find a defensive line that can get to the quarterback? If they can do that, the sky is the limit for them. Number two, I have the Chiefs. So Kansas City did a really interesting thing this offseason. They not only went and just, they did the, they went for it. If I just want to say it like that. They got a supremely upgraded offensive line. They had Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney. They really made sure that Patrick Mahomes was not going to endure what he went through in the Super Bowl. They saw the problem and they went straight for it. And that just is really a sign of a great management, a really functional organization. No dysfunction with Kansas City. I do think that they're going to have a couple weeks where they're going to have to figure it out. Maybe by week eight, week seven, they're going to be able to really solidify that. But I think a couple games, they might be really tested when they're learning how to be in a really uniquely shaped roster. At number one, this is not really a surprise. Tampa Bay takes it. Happy birthday to Tom Brady, who turned 44 yesterday. I think Tampa Bay bringing everybody back is something that I did not expect. Usually after a Super Bowl, people are going to start chasing money. They had playoff Lenny back. They added everybody back. Antonio Brown is only going to get better and more stable. Hopefully he can keep it all together. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They literally brought the band back together, and it's something that's super impressive to me. How they did it, I'm never going to be able to figure it out. I think it's Tom Brady, his leadership, his impact on Tampa Bay. They taught him how to win. We'll see how it goes moving forward. All right, I'm going to talk really quick about Carson Wentz. The injury bug has seemed to strike him yet again. It's like this, ins- I don't want to say this insane thing because we are used to this. And I wanted to say with the Colts that Indianapolis was a top 10 team if he played well. Because we've seen Carson Wentz can do when he's at his best. He's at an MVP level, but he cannot stay healthy. And I think that this impacts not only the Colts, but I think it impacts the Philadelphia Eagles because of a first round draft pick agreement. They were going to get a first round pick if Carson Wentz played up to his potential. Now, with it was... My original thought was, all right, let's not panic because we didn't know what Carson Wentz was going to be like. You have a solid offensive line, solid run game with Jonathan Taylor, and you have a top 10 defense. You can win four or five games and have a quarterback that doesn't turn over the ball. You could bring in a Brett Hundley, which they did. You could bring in a Blake Bortles, which they probably should. They could bring in a Herbert Gardner Minshew trade. They probably shouldn't give up first-round picks or anything like that. Bring in a quarterback that's got experience that won't turn over the ball. Hell, even bring back Phillip Rivers, who's going to take care of the football, and that'll be all fine. And then Quentin Nelson went down, and I saw all this stuff on online that the Colts were cursed, because Carson Wentz is the curse. I think that the Colts are the best team with the biggest problem. And let me explain. I think they're not the best team in the NFL, but they had the best roster. They're like San Francisco. They have a really talented roster, but then all of a sudden, hell breaks loose, and they have just a massive problem on their hands. Luckily for them, it is during training camp so they can figure it out now and not worry about it when Jimmy Garoppolo goes down week two. And it's Joey Bosa. Yikes. This, it's a tough a tough scene for San Francisco fans, especially after a Super Bowl. But I digress. Carson Wentz, the Colts, 
best team with the biggest problem. Now they have a hole. QB. Who do they call? So I, I, I'm driving down. I'm going home yesterday from football practice, from coaching. And I'm thinking, who the heck would Indianapolis be willing to take a shot on? These ran through my mind. Tyrod Taylor. You could try to... Maybe the division rival thing, you could scratch and say that's stupid. The Texans are not going to give to a division rival. But yet again, their roster is in shambles, and they're trying to make Deshaun Watson happy. I don't know. Maybe getting away Tyrod Taylor would do that. Blake Bortles, he's a free agent now because Aaron Rodgers clearly came back, so they did no need for an extra QB. I was going to... I, part of me popped in my mind saying Jared Siddham would be an option, but he went down with surgery. So the Colts kind of have... Two options. They can go searching in free agency, or they can try to develop Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger or of that pairing and try to make it work. I think the Colts were fine before Quentin Nelson went down, and now it's time to panic. I think that the Titans right now are just absolutely ecstatic because now they can get ahead, especially to try to figure things out with Julio Jones, trying to get a couple games ahead on the Colts. We don't know how Carson Lentz is going to be out. I think that if he were to come back after the surgery and play well, all things would be forgiven, but it just reminds me of this constant pattern that Carson Wentz has had since he had the Philadelphia Eagles ACL tear. I don't think they should bring in Nick Foles. I think that's a terrible idea. I think psychologically that's going to screw Carson Wentz up because he's the guy that took his job in the first place, took that stardom, took that spotlight, took him to the Super Bowl. That could have been Carson Wentz, but it didn't end up, end up happening. Nick Foles took him to the playoffs twice when Carson Wentz went down, and It was always, when Carson Wentz couldn't be trusted, Nick Foles was there to save the team. And I think that messed with them a little bit. And it messed up, I think it had a domino effect that ended up having Carson Wentz go to the Colts in the first place. So we'll see how everything plays out in the end. But I'm actually really curious now to see how the AFC South as a whole, maybe Jacksonville takes a couple games because now they're trying to seize an opportunity with their roster. It's going to be really interesting now to see how the AFC South develops. All right, when I return, we're going to talk some NBA basketball, my top free agent move so far, and why Russell Westbrook to the Lakers and what they've done so far is not a done deal to the finals. This is the Man With Plan podcast, and we will be right back. And we are back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 44. Guys, if you skipped ahead to watch the NBA content, you missed us talking about training camp. My top 10 NFL teams going into the just the greatest time of the year with football starting back up. And my starter sit with the rookie QBs. And then we talk some Carson Wentz and what the heck are the Colts going to do. So another thing happens around this time. And it's NBA free agency, the NBA draft. It's kind of the mellow down of all the basketball that we've been getting for the last two years. It feels like we finally get a break with the NBA, and I mean that in the nicest way because these guys have been playing nonstop. It's insane. They need a break. So I think I want to talk about the Lakers real quick. And I think this two-year nonstop, ever since they won the championship in the bubble, you add that time in there has been really tough on LeBron. I think it's made him realize a couple things. That A, he's getting a little older. B, Anthony Davis is probably not as reliable as advertised. Anthony Davis has got really a lot of injury issues he's got to work out. Hopefully he can stay healthy moving forward. But in the playoffs, when it was time to close out the Phoenix Suns, 
AD was nowhere to be found on a roster with LeBron hobbled around. It was clearly not good enough, and it was time for LeBron to do some soul-searching, some thinking. How am I going to, at such an old age, this ankle sprain is going to probably affect me for the rest of my career. I need a third man to kind of bring in some energy. We need to start overcorrecting. We need to get this roster back in shape. And so I wondered what the Lakers were going to do this offseason because it was clear that they were going to make a big move. It was just a matter of who. Was he going to contact his buddy Chris Paul and tell him to abandon Phoenix and join him in L.A. to perform a big three with Anthony Davis and himself? Was he going to just sign a bunch of role players that would compliment them like they did when they first signed AD and they won a championship in the bubble? This move is very interesting with Russell Westbrook. So, for the longest time for Russell Westbrook, I've always found him as a player with the most energy on the court, but I don't think the energy ever matched the results. I think that he's a fantastic player. Obviously, the triple-doubles is something that will put him in the Hall of Fame. He's a top 10 NBA player currently. Maybe that's up for debate. I, I don't know. That's something that we'll have to talk about. I think he, in energy, is top 10 for sure. I think in production, he's probably top 10. I don't know if he's the top 10 player anymore. There we go. I backtracked that statement. I think Russell Westbrook's an interesting player because I think LeBron is looking for someone not to match his production and not to be the number one player on the offense because it's going to be him controlling the ball whenever he's on the floor. It's going to be Russell Westbrook's energy that the Lakers need. Could they have used that when they were playing the Phoenix Suns up 2-1 when AD was out? and LeBron was not 100%, could Russell Westbrook have won that series? Probably. Did Russell Westbrook really take a big step with the Wizards in carrying a team that Bradley Beal and himself had to pick up from the ground and say, hey, we're going to make a run for the playoffs and compete against the Sixers in a five-game series? I would have said no in March. I think that my first note that I have here is too many chefs in the kitchen. The more that I have to think about it, the more I'm kind of back and forth on it. The pros of this trade is that LeBron gets an extra man to help him, and it started a movement that the Lakers made a lot of signings, but part of me goes, this is a little bit of an overcorrection. They signed Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk. They signed a lot of older man, a lot of older people. They Obviously, Malik Monk's not an old man, but they signed a lot of people that people are saying in 2012 this team would have been fantastic. Carmelo Anthony, who's 36. I think that a lot of people are like, oh, Carmelo Anthony joined the Lakers. It's over. The, the Nets are toast. I don't think that's really the case. I think that the Lakers are going to be a solid team, yes, but I don't think that let's – I'm going to throw this out there. Let's say LeBron is – in the last three years since he's joined the Lakers, he had a groin injury that sidelined him for a majority of that season, and he had the ankle sprain that sidelined him for the majority of the near end of that season back-to-back -back with the bubble – is the spray going to help him? I'm sure it will. Is Anthony Davis probably going to get hurt again? I really hope not, but can we trust him? It's like Carson Wentz. You see what the potential is when he's fully healthy, but can you trust him? Anthony Davis is brittle. Reminds me of Kevin Durant. Just a little bit of brittle. Not really in the weight room as much. Like LeBron putting that time and effort into his body, and it shows. I think LeBron and the Lakers are going to be fine. But when it comes down to a deep playoff run... Are they going to be able to muster up everything that they've had? Are they going to be able to stay healthy in a 20-game run where they're going to have to play against the West's best in a Utah Jazz team that's physical, a Phoenix Suns team that's going to be hungry, 
a lot of new players on the forefront. Maybe a Nuggets team with Jokic and Jamal Murray. Enough young star power to be able to take a team down. A lot to be figured out. I think that the Lakers made some good signings. It made me ease off on this Westbrook trade a little bit more, but I'm still a little bit worried. I don't think this makes the Nets and the Lakers a done deal. And I think I could say the same side for the Nets. Can they stay healthy? Patty Mills is not going to take them to the promised land. It's like I said before, we've all chalked down the Nets and the Lakers as this epic finals that we're going to see. I don't know. And we're about to find out. I'm really excited about the NBA season moving forward. I think there's going to be a lot of parity and a lot of competition because I don't think those big threes are as huge and just league-shaking as it was when Durant joined a healthy young Warrior squad and he had to be just a guy that could drop, take some shots, and you couldn't cover all of them. It was insane. In this situation, you've got players like LeBron and Westbrook who kind of play a similar bowl-in-a-china-shop-style basketball can that mesh together? We'll see. So I want to talk about my favorite moves of NBA free agency before we wrap up. I want to start with Kyle Lowry to the Heat. I think that the Heat are a really, really interesting team. They made that really great run in the bubble, I believe, with Kyle Lowry. They can really mesh well with Jimmy Butler, who wants to win a championship. I think they've got a nice big three with him, Bam, and Jimmy. Something that could really... I think surprise East again because nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be going after Miami like last season where they surprised everybody in the bubble. They can kind of be under the radar and develop this big three in a really concise manner. I really like this Kyle Lowry signing. Devontae Graham is a Pelican. I don't a lot of people are not really high on this move, but I think he can give Zion an extra piece. I think Zion's gonna take more of a bigger step this season. He's gonna have more of a bigger role, but I think Devontae Graham's another star that you can add to that team. He was snubbed for MIP. That could really help Zion in his development. I think each thing that Pelicans do needs to be in the interest of Zion Williamson. I think this was it. Chris Paul's back. I like that the Suns are just going to run it back and they're going to try to go at it again. I think Chris Paul is going to be hungry. It's a lot of money for someone at his age, but I think that he's earned that asking power, especially taking the Suns, who have been historically awful for the last 10 years, and taking them all the way to Game 6 of the Finals. I think that's something where you could really have a lot of leverage in negotiations. So there's no shock why the Suns did it. Steph Curry, and I really want to stop here and talk about it. Steph Curry with the Warriors. They've signed a massive, historically breaking deal where Steph Curry is going to earn $55 million a year. He's the first player in NBA history to sign two multi $200 million contracts. And I was listening to this on the way home, and it was Steph Curry and the Warriors. They're going to run it back, obviously, but there's another side to this. They've seen what Steph Curry can do. He clearly proved that he can do it on his own. Add some stars and the league's in trouble. But they also said, we have a lot of assets we've built up from being a below average to average team for the last two years. They could really pull in a star that's pissed off. They could do what what happened with Anthony Davis. The Lakers load all those assets, send Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram to the, the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. The Warriors could do that with Andrew Wiggins, with James Wiseman, those first-round picks, and really try to form a team, another big three that could challenge L.A. There's another that Steph Curry's not going to age poorly. Clay Thompson, if he's healthy, he'll be freaking fantastic. Andrew Wiggins is a three-option, even if they decide to keep him. James Wiseman will keep developing. I really like the Warriors as a team to be the one that bargains for a superstar. Maybe a Ben Simmons if they can get a reasonable value. 
maybe a Damian Lillard if they can get a reasonable value. Maybe Zion in a couple of years. I mean, we've heard some things that the Pelicans aren't really this preferred destination for his family. We'll see how these things play out. I was thinking that there were going to be a lot of moving parts this offseason, but for now, we just stay put. I think the Warriors are in prime position to make another playoff run. I think they'll be really fun to watch, especially if the Splash Bros are back. And that's just all we really have today. A lot of great, exciting stuff, a lot of great content. I like waiting that week for a lot of things to develop and really talk about it in a concise manner. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. This was the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 44, NFL Training Camp, Carson Wentz, and the NBA Talk. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. And as always, take care. Thank you.